EMS1.com is the number one online resource for the EMS community and authoritative voice in pre-hospital care. Our members enjoy access to exclusive content from top EMS educators and physicians, award-winning e-newsletters, original video series, member-only product discounts, access to free continuing education courses, and much more. If you're an EMS and not a member of EMS1, join the community for free today. Just go to ems1.com backslash registration. That's ems1.com backslash registration to become a member. Well, it's that time of the week once again to go inside EMS. I'm just excited to be here as I am always, but nothing excites me more. No, I can't say that because it's not true, but here he is, our good friend, Kelly Grayson. KG, how are you doing this week? Um, I'm good. I, I got to say that the, the, con- the prospect of it, nothing exciting you more conjures some pretty disturbing visual images. Well, I had to I, change I it. I couldn't get through there. it, Kelly. I couldn't get through it. So <laughs> I just, so I'm just curious. This is week two of I'm not getting a new dog. And uh, how are things going? Those uh, pictures on uh, Facebook uh, look I'm pretty. I'm not getting a new dog. I'm taking a brief Facebook hiatus right now, but I'm not getting a new dog. He is a cute puppy. He's gorgeous. He's playful. He's fun. He's going to make someone a very nice pet. Have because you Have you named him yet? No, his name is Pup. Okay. So his basically, he, he has a name, Pup. <laughs> All right. How does the Shinerbach uh, dealing with the new brother in the household? Shine Shine deals with him fine. He's uh, you know, he's he's got that you know, I'm I'm the alpha dog kind of thing going on. He'll sniff him and and uh, play with him a little rough, uh, but um, he's he's still a little bit intimidating to the puppy. Mm-hmm. Now the puppy will come try to play, but but Shine Shine usually has none of it. Now the cats and the other dog. Patty, like and fine. Patty, our serial killer dog, think he's the greatest thing since sliced bread, and the, and the cats like to play with him. But oh, so you got two dogs? I, I didn't know you already had two dogs. Yes, I've got one laid back, mellow, big, scary looking dog, and I've got one hyperactive, not mellow, cute and adorable looking serial killer dog. Mm. All right, good. It seems the that Ted, uh... yeah. See, we got a Ted Bundy dog. He's He's charming, uh, engaging, and utterly, absolutely lethal. He's the he's our dog killer. Uh, interesting. I don't even want to think about it. So basically, what you're saying in short is the saga continues. Uh, I'm trying to get the Grayson Menagerie pared down to manageable levels. Okay. I, I have a girlfriend who has a soft spot for strays, and she and we live in stray country, so she can't drive down the street without seeing a, a critter she needs to rescue. So we've got this guy rescued and we've spent a few hundred dollars on him <laughs> to get him healthy again. And now we're going to give him to someone who wants to give a puppy a loving home. All That's right. the way it's going to be. Damn it. All right. Yeah. I see you're putting your foot down. I don't know that anybody's That's listening. Right. I'm putting my foot down at Grayson acres. No one's really paying attention, but how much time passes before you finally keep them? Well, I mean, what's the, what's the over under on this? Well, the, the last stray that we rescued, we kept for almost a year before we found her at home. Okay, so this may be an ongoing this, saga. This little guy is much more adorable than she was. Okay. All right, good. All right, so 
Well, Kelly, this week we are going to uh, go into the mailbag. You know, we got an email from someone who is dealing with a partner that is a little bit emotional. And, you know, late calls come and, you know, the clipboard goes thrown against the window. Can you believe people are still using clipboards? And uh, I know, right? And, uh, you know, they get angry at the calls that they have to take. They get angry at the late calls, he says. You know, they get angry at the this uh, the person who wrote the email, you know, being a new EMT and trying to learn, uh, you know, to give his partner the best that he can. And But he's just a little slow. Mm-hmm. He admits he's a little slow. He's a little timid. And, and you know, the, the person's name is Jesse. So I, I'd be honest with you. I don't know if it's a guy or a girl, to be honest with you. But, mm-hmm. you know, so but they, they're asking us, I mean, how can we help them deal with emotional intelligence? And uh, so I figure this would be a good show to talk about emotional intelligence. What do you think? I, I think it's a great idea. Uh, I think it's uh, it's something that we all need to, to learn and practice. Um, it, it it does. The whole situation strikes me as is still affirming my uh, assertion that that experience in the field, you know, to go on a tangent is 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 kind of overrated because this is what you get quite often when you're a brand new EMT. You get saddled with the guy who has an opening on his truck, and likely as not, he may be experienced. But the reason uh, uh, he's a burnout and has some has some problems dealing and and reining in his anger, and this is the guy you're supposed to learn from. Uh, and rather than learn from him, uh, you're you're uh, sending emails to two guys with a podcast trying to figure out how I'm going to deal with this monster day in and day out. But the answer to that is emotional intelligence. And Chris, why don't you, first of all, tell us, tell our listeners, what is emotional intelligence? Yeah, and emotional intelligence, you know, we'll take it from the leadership side. Emotional intelligence is really this, this it's not a new buzzword, but it's really, you know, being able to deal with your emotions. But emotional intelligence goes a little bit beyond that. So when you have a high degree of emotional intelligence you're now able to not only understand and control your own emotions, you're also able to understand and control the emotions of the people who are around you. Now think about it. If I know that someone is easily fired up, how can I best help them to control that? And by giving them, you know, kind of some of these tools that we're going to talk about today, it really kind of helps them understand And, you know, in the business world, when we think about it, we may have had some supervisors or leaders who have overreacted or maybe have blown up at the workforce. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, Kelly. I was one of these guys. And I remember Mm -hmm. I was in a position where I yelled at the workforce. I was I, I, you know, dropped my pants and showed my butt and I, I made myself look stupid. And then I had to carry that cloud around with me for about, uh, you know, 10 years or so. And in my book, Ultimate Leadership, 10 Rules for Success, rule number one is never allow your emotions to dictate your actions. And this isn't just from the side of bad emotions for a mm-hmm. leader, you know, not your negative emotions, but sometimes yeah. we make poor decisions with positive emotions that we shouldn't make either. Mm-hmm. So it's emotions in general that we don't want to dictate to. Yeah, those, those endorphins sometimes don't give you the best uh, perspective on things. Um, you know, a lot of this seems like it goes back to what your grandmother taught you. You know, you catch more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. Um, and uh, it requires a little introspection and, and uh, being self-aware and, and knowing 
what your buttons are uh, to avoid pushing those buttons and others. So why don't you tell us uh, how is how important is emotional intelligence in the workforce? Yeah, I think that's something that's really important because we, we've got to be able to really keep ourselves in check and to uh, understand the situations that are going on around us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Kelly, you've been in this business for a long time, and the people that have those attitudes and the people that uh, are emotional, I mean, what kind of reputations do they have in, in your organization? And oh, they have yeah. horrible reputations more, more often than not. And usually it, it just doesn't go. And this may be just an emotional issue of not knowing how to deal with your emotions. But then mm-hmm. you start questioning their medicine. And then you start questioning their professionalism. And then you start yeah. questioning their dedication. So just because someone isn't in control of their emotions, now you've developed this negative reputation within your organization. And, uh, you know, it really just kind of follows you around. And that's even a harder cloud to get rid of, Kelly. Yeah, I, I can imagine what what strikes me as odd is that, you know, how do you deal with patients uh, if you don't practice some degree of emotional intelligence yourself? You know, how, how can you display empathy and compassion uh, to people um, and not be in control of your emotions? I, I just don't get it. But why don't uh, why don't you tell us what are the components of emotional intelligence? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. And it really this this is really what starts the understanding of, uh, you know, dealing with your emotions. There are five components of emotional intelligence, self-awareness, self-regulation, motivation, empathy, and then your social skills. And when we think about, you know, these components, when you have the opportunity to deal or understand how these components affect you, then you're able to kind of manage your, you know, your emotions. When you think about self-awareness, Kelly, from a leadership standpoint, I think that there are a lot of attributes that leaders and other people need to have. We need to have good communication skills. We need to have good conflict resolution skills. We need to be able to motivate. We need to be able to inspire. But without self-awareness, all those other things that we need to know go away. So how can I be a good leader? And have good communication skills if I'm, if I'm allowing my emotions to dictate my actions. So really self-awareness is your understanding as to why you react the way that you do in those specific situations. If I know when Kelly Grayson is going to get on the line that he's just going just gonna to irritate me, he's just going to push my buttons. You know, in, when you think about psychology, no one else can make you feel anything that you choose not to feel. So when people say, you hurt my feelings, no, that, that didn't happen. You allowed what I said to hurt your feelings. You made yeah. me mad. No, that's not the way it works. You allowed what happened around you to make you mad. You have to take responsibility for, those own emo- for your own emotions. When you talk about self-regulation is how you react to those emotions. So this is your self-control. So when you think about your self-awareness, it's the why. When you talk about your self-regulation, it's the how. So if you can understand why, you can control the how. And, you know, there was one person who used to just come to my office all the time, and I'd see them coming, and I'd want to close the door. But if I did that, they would know I'm closing the door because of them. But I had to kind of figure out what was it about them that was really kind of irritating me that I didn't want to interact with them. And this was a peer. 
And uh, I finally figured out that they just weren't a team player. They just were, you know, negative against everything that was happening. And they mm-hmm. never supported your decisions. And they were, and, and, you know, it was from that challenge that I had to realize that this was my problem. My problem was that I was either relying on them or my problem was that I was needing something from them. And I finally got to a point of saying, you know what, screw this person. I don't, I don't need anything. And then my self-awareness was now I understand why that's making me uh, angry or making me aggressive yeah. towards them, you know. And, but then the self-regulation standpoint is how do we now control our emotions to make ourselves a better place or a better position? You know, well – you mentioned the self-control, but sometimes it seems like we have no choice but to get angry or emotional when things go bad. So yeah. how do you practice self-regulation? How do you master those emotions? Well, let's talk about, I mean, this, that's a really great question because this really goes to the the crux of everybody gets emotional. So if we think about everything that we do, everything that we touch, everything that we see creates an electrical signal, right? We, we know that. Mm-hmm. So what happens is, is this electrical signal goes through the spinal column, goes up into the brain, and it now, you know, starts to go through the process of we make sense of what's happening. But before that happens, this little electrical signal goes through the limbic system. And of course, we know that the limbic system is responsible for the fight or flight. You have no choice but to feel the emotion before you can make reason of the action. Okay, we're gonna. Mm -hmm. It goes through the limbic system first. This is our self-preservation mechanism, right? This is what makes us, you know, uh, uh, deal with this situation. So we have no choice but to feel the emotion. Then that electrical signal gets up to your frontal lobe, the front part of your brain, where you can make sense of it, Kelly. So this is where we talk about take ten deep breaths, or you know, count to ten before you respond. So what happens now is. The frontal lobe will make sense of it. Oh, this guy's just an ass or this guy or I hate this or whatever that is. It doesn't take the emotion away. You still you still feel the emotion first. But hopefully what you're able to do is react to it differently. So, Kelly, when I say to you that you have no choice but to feel the emotion, everybody is going to feel the emotion first. It's just how you react to it in the long run. For some reason, I, I keep hearing Aerosmith uh, crooning sweet emotion when you're when you're talking. <laughs> we should we want to bust in a song now. Is that what you want uh, to do? No, no, sweet emotion. <laughs> yeah. so, now, one of the things I don't want is I don't want to get a bunch of emails from people or from emails from uh, spouses who said, "Hey, Chris, it, you know, my husband said that he has no choice but to get emotional with me." Well, it's the truth. I mean, we feel the emotion first. It's just how we now react to the emotion once we make sense of it. And the important component here is just because you made sense of the emotion doesn't mean you're still not feeling the anger or the happiness or whatever it is. But that's that's an excellent strategy for, uh, to keep our amygdala from being hijacked when, when people hit those triggers. Right. Um, I want to I wanna go off in a different direction right now. Empathy. Yeah. It's one of the, the biggest challenges to many providers on, on a personal level. How can we increase our empathetic skills? Yeah, and that's really a, another good question. Is And this really, regardless, man, any skill that you try to grow, whether it's mm-hmm. an intubation skill, whether it's an IV skill, whether it's empath, you know, being empathetic, it really comes down to practice. And you really have to try to understand the other person that's in this situation. 
And a lot of times we have no um, we have no tolerance for this, right? I mean, think about EMS. Yeah. We talk about fire as being, you know, the bravest and police being the finest. Well, EMS has to be the most compassionate. And, and we give our compassion to people, but sometimes we're not empathetic to them. You know, we're not empathetic to our partner. And it really comes down to a belief, Kelly, of that I think you should be smarter than you are. I think that you should be feeling different than you are. I think you should be leaving thing I think you should be believing things different than you are. We, we've got to stop that. And we've got to start to think about that the person that we're dealing with has their beliefs, has their understandings, has their values that may be in conflict with our own. But that's okay. That's what makes us all different. And we have to be able to put ourselves in their shoes to say, um, you know, I, I kind of understand where you're going through. Now, I, I went through that 10 years ago, and, and you just haven't figured out the skills yet on how to deal with it. But, you know, it gives me no patience to listen to those things. Yeah, I mean, you think about it from a leadership standpoint. And, you know, when I was in the field, you know, all those years ago, I knew what it was like not to have my ideas listened to. I knew what it was like not to have the equipment to do my job. I knew what it was like wanting to stab my partner in the eye with a pencil. I knew what it was like to ha you know, have uh, a horrible schedule and, and not be able to make ends meet because of the money that we were making. Well, when now, when these people are coming to your office and they're talking about schedule and they're talking about pay and they're talking about equipment, how is it any different from the things that I complained about all those years ago? It's it, not, really. No, it's not. One of the challenges is I learned how to deal with those things. So now when people come and sit into my and sit in the office and talk about all these things that I just mentioned, I've got to remember that when I was in their position, I had those same feelings. Just because someone hasn't developed the skills yet to deal with a specific situation, we brand them as stupid or we brand them as inexperienced or we brand them as as troublemakers. And we've got to stop that. We've just got to understand where they're coming from. And that's a big thing with empathy, but we have to be able to invest time in understanding other people so we can be empathetic to what's going on with them. Well, Chris, that was a, a great primer on emotional intelligence, and hopefully it'll be useful to our, our listeners and, and especially to our, uh, our listener that emailed us about how to deal with the, with the problem partner. Man, you know, it seems that so much of this stuff is, is just simple common sense and and do unto others as though you would have them do unto you. And, you know, all the, the golden rule adage. But for for so many of us these days, especially in the way we communicate uh, in, in this age, uh, that personal interaction and those skills dealing with another person face to face. Uh, and, and connecting with them on an emotional level are things that seem to have been atrophied uh, in the social media age. And uh, hopefully the, uh, a little bit of a primer on emotional intelligence to uh, help us relearn those manners and, and uh, learn how to, how to see things from our, from our opponent's perspective uh, and, and in so doing, learn, help us learn to be kinder to one another. But hey, that's how we feel. We'd like to know how you feel. Email us your thoughts, feelings, concerns, comments, and questions at the show at ems1.com. And for myself and co-host Chris Ciballero, thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We'll catch you guys next week.